Welcome to the Young Crones Cafe, where you can get a magic brew full of all sorts of information, both witchy and practical. Grab a cup and join us. I'm Elizabeth, a wordsmith. And I'm Sue, a visual artist. We are going to talk about various witchcraft and life topics from a slightly more mature perspective, at least most of the time. Thanks so much for joining us. On the path, which is the name for our personal witchcraft practices, we've spent a great deal of time discussing what we believe and why. These conversations led to the writing of a book full of information about our tradition. We call these thoughts kernels because they are the start of much bigger ideas. We thought we'd share some of these with you, so... Today's metaphysical kernel of thought is ancestors. For those of us on the path, we have learned to recognize two specific kinds of ancestors, those that are personal and those that are spiritual. We consider personal ancestors are those that we are descended from, either genetically or through adoption. These can easily include what used to be called shirt-tail relations, such as family friends whom you have called aunt or uncle while growing up, or the parents of your childhood best friend. While spiritual ancestors may also be personal, we consider them as those who have walked a similar spiritual path before us. They may be members of the more modern pagan community who have died and have left us a spiritual legacy of potential practices and opportunities for growth and change. More importantly, the spiritual ancestors are those nameless ones who have lived, worked, and died in their practices throughout the millennium. Their energy can be supportive for any type of ritual or magical working, but it is also important to ask for their assistance and not demand that they help. It is vital to cultivate relationships with the ancestors before asking for their aid. We often ask them if they are willing to share their wisdom or knowledge with us during ritual, or especially when we are doing divination. A good way to do this is to create devotional practices where you honor them in your own ways. Many witches maintain an ancestral altar, displaying pictures or keepsakes that remind them of something special about their ancestors. While some focus on this practice around the Samhain season, where the veil between the worlds is traditionally sought to thin, making communication and communion easier, keeping such an altar all year round is appropriate if you wish. Walking the path has taught us that not only do the ancestors value being remembered by us through receiving our devotions, but they truly wish what is best for their descendants and will offer energetic support and wisdom reciprocally. Well, we have been talking about all of the different major types of energy that we work and practice with, and we've hit the last major kind that we tend to call the ancestors, and we divided them not divided, but how we see them as having two major types, personal and spiritual. Mm -hmm. Personal to me is, we use the phrase connected through the body and bone. And I kind of think of that in terms of genetics or having some type of relationship. As we said in our writing, the shirt tail relations. You know, that family friend that you've called aunt your entire life? Well, and that, that has become much more important 
as we've gotten whole new definitions of family and to be able to be so much more inclusive of not you're not my genetic sister but boy you're my sister you know oh yeah i think you and i've been for a long time oh yeah i like the phrase family by birth or choice yes that's good because that i think to me is the ultimate definition of family Mm -hmm. we have those relatives who we would acknowledge every time we saw them and others we might want to bury under a rock in terms of our relationship with them but we also get to choose who we want to be close to and i think a family in its most basic is supportive and then the other kind of ancestor is kind of that nebulous as it were spiritual ancestors that Mm -hmm. relates us to anyone who's ever been a witch in that sense at its most basic Yes, and I I do find that when when I'm calling on energy, I will use that type of mental focus of, you know, I call upon all those with witch blood who came before me. Mm-hmm. And it 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 makes me feel like I am then surrounded by energy. I think so. And I like the fact that when you think about it, your ancestors really want what's best for you most of the time. If oh, absolutely. Your energy you've learned over the years. I'm not going to call on great uncle George, who was a drunk and an idiot. When well, I he was a, he was a drunk and an idiot when he was incarnated. I would certainly like to hope that he's a little bit better now. <laughs> no, I would too, but there are, I think on the spiritual plane, it's the same as on this incarnation, as you put it. There are humans who work to get better and mm-hmm. don't or can't. And I think that tends to carry over sometimes. That it may take them for a while to be beyond their human existence to recognize they were a jerk kind of thing. You know. Well, and, and that just goes to show, too, you have a choice of who you're calling. That... When people call out, say, to just spirit, period, without any other kinds of, they usually put something in, I'm calling to benevolent spirits. I'm calling to those spirits that can help me. You know, some kind of caveat so that you are more surrounded by those people that can actually help you in your working. I think so. And I think, too, because we tend to do positive workings in general, mm-hmm. we're working on things that are going to create change within ourselves more than anything else. Yes. And sometimes that involves dealing with negatives so that it's not necessarily, it, the the eventual result may turn out to be positive, but the actual working may be pretty negative at the time. I think we get the kind of energy that we need to get through that kind of stuff, regardless mm-hmm. of what it is. But talking about ancestors and ancestral altars and all that kind of stuff, Samhain is the traditional time of year where everybody, okay, not everybody, but a lot of witches tend to focus on that kind of communication. And I think some type of ancestor altar is appropriate for the entire year. And it can- I do too. 
and it could be whatever you want. I mean, I have one here in my room that's really simple where I have a really old family frame that's been in the family for God knows how long. And it's got pictures in it of both sets of my grandparents. Oh, nice. No, and, and it's from the pictures. Are mm-hmm. I know one of my father's parents is probably from the early 1960s. Okay. From my mother's parents is probably the early 1970s. So these are very old pictures to start with. Yes. It just shows them as couples in these pictures are kind of standing together or in the case of my dance parents walking down the street together, but you can tell they have that connection and Mm -hmm. it's a value in my practice and it's just there with a little candle so that when I'm in the mood to kind of think about family and that personal ancestor piece, I can light the candle and just sit with it for a few minutes, you know. Yeah, but even with or without the candle, having that, like I... You know, on my dresser, I have a couple of photographs of my late mother, and you know, I think I think I have one of my grandparents too. Mm-hmm. But just having those up is an altar. Sure. You don't have to light a candle. You don't have to have anything else. You know, we we tend to have quite a a all inclusive definition of the word altar (laughs) well i think think there's two different kinds there is a there are working altars that we use like as part of ritual or magic for a specific purpose that we tend to build and put up and then when we're done with whatever we're doing take down and put away and i don't know about you but i have many Mm -hmm. all kinds of things scattered all over my house that are more permanent because they are in their own way, a touchstone of something I value as part of my practice. It has turned, I don't want to decrease its value by even correlating it with decorating, but that is, that is how I choose to arrange my things in my house. If you want to put it that way, you know, because it makes me happy. I have uh, right at the top of my stairs when I'm going up, right at the landing, there's a little shelf. And I change that one usually seasonally. But it, it gives me something to look at and to focus on every time I go up the stairs. So at least once or twice a day, you know, if not more. And that's what altars, I think, are for is a visual representation of things that you want to think about or create with or grow. Mm -hmm. And also, if your altar is dusty, your practice is dusty. There you go. You know? Oh, I agree completely. And I think, too, we've gotten a little far afield, but if we bring it back around to... (laughs) and ancestor energies those energies are I feel when we're in ritual or whatever some of the most supportive in terms of what we're trying to do yes and they are often willing to share their wisdom with us if you can figure out how to do it we have kind of asked for knowledge from them when we do divination 
Yes. We tend to get some very interesting interpretations when that happens because we get messages that we really need sometimes. Yes. Or we will pull the same card that we pulled last month and all of a sudden it has a very different meaning. <laughs> our heads at the time kind of thing. You know, uh -huh. I think that's one of the awesome parts about not only working with ancestor energies, but the different energies that they work with, depending on what we're focusing on in our practice at the time, we get different experiences. Yes, and I don't, I, I realize just now, I don't believe that the energy is cumulative when you are working with um, either the old gods or the ancestors. Um, it's logarithmic that it it builds quicker because the sum of the two the result is larger than the sum of the two yes i agree yeah and when, when when we work with energies and you work with them consistently i think is the mm -hmm. other piece. you have to develop it's a relationship i think with the energies is the best way to describe it. You have to understand how you experience its presence. Mm -hmm. Feels like when it shows up, how is it affected by the time of day or the season of the year or the purpose that you're trying to accomplish? And because of that, it's never exactly the same. For mm -hmm. one, to me, each of the energies has almost like a signature. We mm -hmm. all signature when we sign our names. But our signature is not exactly the same each time. We use the same letters. We use the same pen. We write the same way. But no, none of them are identical. Right. They can't be because they're all individual creations. Exactly. And it's the same thing with each of the energies that we work with each time. Mm -hmm. Recognize the signature because we have the same letters and the same pen and all of that kind of stuff but how we experience it or the strength that it may be willing or able to lend to a particular working can mm -hmm. be. And I think that's one of the hardest things to remember sometimes because we think we're going to get this mm -hmm. from, you know, like a menu, column A, column B, we're going to get the same stuff and we're not necessarily. <laughs> you well, know. and you, you need to work into that same thing, not necessarily how much, that part of the equation has changed. But the fact that if we did it every day, I'm a different person every day. Mm -hmm. And that I think is much more of a, um, oh, help me out here. Change, okay. If we are different every day, how can we expect the energy to stay the same every day? Dad, thank you. That's energy precisely what I was thinking. <laughs> different energies that we work with are not corporal human beings like we are. Mm -hmm. so they have their own time frames for when things occur or their own energies that they project that we can kind of tap into that are different than ours. Mm -hmm. And who are we to presume that they're going to be static? and unchanging. That's not how the universe itself works. The universe right. itself is constantly evolving and changing. So why wouldn't the energies do the same? It makes sense. Well, I would hope so. 
And that seems like a good place to wrap up this discussion. Witch stones are a divination tool we created as part of our practice that deals with what we call concrete stones, specific types and kinds of energy, and conceptual stones, things and ideas about witchcraft, which can be read with either a seen or an unseen meaning. Recently, we have developed a set of oracle cards using this information. We would like to introduce you to one of these stones right now. In today's spotlight, we'll be looking at the witch stone Autumn Equinox. Concrete stones focus on a specific physical energy rather than a concept, and the next four concrete stones link the four sabbats together, which are used in the practice of the craft. The fourth sabbat is the Autumn Equinox, which displays a pictograph of a red arrow pointing down into the dark half of a circle. The arrow shows the movement of the energy from balance towards more darkness. For those of us who walk the path, which is what we call our spiritual practice, each Sabbath is associated with a change in the focus of solar energy. Autumn equinox marks the calendar date for the start of the season of fall. The path considers it one of two points of balance during the year, because the day and the night are of equal length while marking the day of the dark half of the year, which will peak at Yule or winter solstice. Autumn equinox's magical correspondences include balance leading to darkness and transformation, changes in attitude and taking stock, gratitude, and a shift from an external to an internal focus. The seen energy for the Autumn Equinox Stone in a reading is balance, inward focus, and personal harvests. Balance may mean working to use both the mundane and magical most effectively right now in your life. Inward focus may involve turning your attention more to projects and activities that link you to your internal world. Personal harvest may involve reaping the benefits from projects you have completed or being grateful for what you have accomplished. The unseen energy for the autumn equinox stone in a reading is a need for balance, an adjustment of focus, and disappointment. Need for balance may mean you have figured out that balancing various aspects of your life requires more effort at this time. Adjustment of focus may be needed, needed to take a closer look at something or turn your attention in another direction. Disappointment may require you to look at what you haven't finished and the reasons things didn't turn out the way you wanted that, and that you may need time to regroup. We have heard from some of our listeners who appreciate what we are talking about in our segments, but are asking for spells or about spells. Can you give me a spell for this or that? I want to be able to fill in the blank here, find love, romance, money, etc. Since you asked, we are adding a small segment to some of our podcasts going forward that we are calling Practical Magic for the Everyday Witch. 
These are simple spells we use that don't require a lot of ingredients for correspondences or sometimes no ingredients at all. Because we like to be able to use magic to deal with the practical everyday stuff, this is what we have to share. However, the biggest reminder about spellcraft is that the best spells are the ones you create for yourself because they are a part of your own magic. Candle magic is often one of the simplest and easiest forms of magic. The time it takes a candle to burn is often considered how long it may take for a spell to activate or have results. Much of what is written about the use of birthday candles for quick spells, but we are going to make it even faster with the use of a matchstick spell. A matchstick spell creates an almost instantaneous result because the speed at which a simple match or kitchen match is consumed by its flame. This spell focuses on a burst of quick energy just to get you through something short-term where you may need a little bit more than you have available. A statement of intent might be, I need a quick burst of energy to keep me going to finish cooking dinner. Feel free to write your own intent for any spell we offer. It should be in the present tense and be direct and to the point. You need three simple ingredients to create this spell. A box of kitchen matches, a fine pointed writing instrument, such as a pen or a Sharpie marker, and a fireproof dish to put the lit match into. Grab a match out of the box and write the word energy on the wooden stick part while stating your intention out loud. Strike the match and place it in the fireproof dish and watch it burn. Feel the burst of energy arrive and you go do what it is you needed it for. That's all there is to it. You can also write other short-term things you need on matchsticks for spell work. It can be beneficial to prepare a number of written sticks ahead of time. So you just have to grab it, state your intent, and light it. Some examples of these might be calm, peace, uh, more time, or hurry up if you're trying to get something to happen a little bit faster. But be creative and think about those instances in your life where you just say, boy, I wish whatever finishes that sentence could usually be taken care of with just a little bit of magic. Before we go, we'd like to present you with a tip or trick or witchy hint, just something to make your day go better because we live in a mixture of the magical and the mundane. Today's tip, trick, or witchy hint is about the subject that has a fancy name nowadays. It's called aphantasia, or the inability to visualize. When I first began practicing witchcraft, I read everything I could get my hands on about the subject. Sound familiar to anyone? And tried out a number of visualization exercises offered in various books, and as part of a book of one-on-one course, I enrolled myself in. 
Visualization was stressed as an essential part of learning how to work with magical energy and to cast spells. Being able to picture what you were trying to accomplish or work with in one's mind was considered a beginner's skill, and one couldn't go any farther until it was mastered. The most common thing seemed to be to visualize a bright white apple and look at it from all sides in order to manipulate it. I spent hours trying to see that apple and never caught so much as a glimpse of the damn thing. I was also part of a group for a while that was big on those guided visualization things where you start out picturing yourself walking through a path in the woods, going further in until you find a clearing, etc. If that sounds familiar to you and it has worked for you in your practice in some way, more power to you. However, have you come across the word adaptation lately? Most people haven't, and it describes a condition that affects between 1 and 3% of the population, and maybe more to some degree. People with this cannot visualize. I can paint amazing word pictures for others to describe something, but I can't see them in my head. It makes me wonder sometimes if this is one of the reasons I am a writer. So if you don't visualize, know that you aren't alone, and that you can learn to successfully experience energies to work with, and cast effective spells in your own way. I experience the various energies as a visceral sensation that is almost textural in quality sometimes. Other times, there is a weight to what happens when I connect with the energy. It is hard to describe what I experience and exactly when it first began to happen. I dismissed it as unimportant because I was still trying to, quote-unquote, see the energies I was learning to recognize and work with. If you don't visualize as well, try seeing what other senses may be giving you signals that energy is around. You might hear sounds or experience different reactions throughout your body or some other sensory experience occurs. The important thing is to figure out for yourself how you sense energy. Well, it looks like the coffee cups are empty for this week. We hope you join us again next Tuesday. But you can find us at our website, twoyoungcrones.com. That's the number two, young crones, all one word. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. And our Twitter handle is at twoyoungcrones. Check out our merch at our Teespring store. We also have a Patreon account called the Young Crones Cafe, where you can support the podcast if you enjoy our efforts. Until then, remember... We are witches who work with energies to affect change. We are believers in both imminent and transcendent divine. We are celebrants of the passage of the solar and lunar cycles. We are hedgewalkers who pass back and forth between the worlds of the magical and the mundane. We are seekers of knowledge. We are walkers of a spiritual tradition we call the path. So mote it be.